Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over £50 million worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to tonight's completely live broadcast of uh, Business Growth Secrets. Tonight, I've got some really exciting, uh, I've got really, really exciting guests to bring you this evening, so really looking forward to welcoming him on in just a moment. This is somebody that I wanted to bring specifically to this broadcast so you could get an understanding of someone that's actually succeeding and doing some great things in lockdown. Now, I know a lot of you, a lot of our followers, a lot of our clients, and a lot of the people that have been listening, following the podcast, following the lives are getting great results. But I think this uh, individual has been building a quite an innovative marketing business in a really, really, really strong way. And he's built his force from nine people to 44 people over this period, expanded his business and broke through the seven-figure barrier in what could be described as one of the hardest times ever in British business history. So I think it's going to be awesome tonight. So I'm going to be welcoming him in just a moment. But for this evening, make sure you go on and, and say hello already yourselves. I see we've got a few people saying hello tonight, which is awesome. I'll bring the names up so I can see the names coming through the group this evening as well. So Adabo is on there straight away saying, hey, Adam, we've got a few more hellos coming in, which is awesome. A few good evenings. So what I want you to do tonight is make sure you get super engaged. If you've got questions, this is your opportunity to ask my guest Ben questions tonight as well. What was his mentality when he was looking at expanding his business? Why did he look at doing things slightly different as to what the usual kind of mold was rather than looking to not to like to contract, actually to go and expand? So it's Ben Harper is my guest. His company is Meet Hugo. And they are a sales intelligence marketing business. So they use their business to actually connect other businesses with leads. So many of you are watching and pretty much everyone that's watching tonight is business owners. So this could be somebody that actually could provide leads for you and opportunities for you as well. So Ben, welcome on, buddy. Hi. Great to have you on. You're looking forward to it? Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. So we've got quite a few people coming on saying hello tonight. The purpose of this evening for everyone is we've got a big network of business owners that follow the podcast, people that will be listening on the podcast. We've got people listening on YouTube. We've got people listening on Facebook. We've got people listening on my Facebook group. We've got people listening on my Adam Stock pages. He's going out pretty much in many different places. So no pressure, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And what I like to do with these interviews is I like to bring a real different vibe of business owners. We've got tons of different guests that are coming on over the next few weeks. And I'm always looking for success stories and people that are achieving success in different ways. And I think what you've done, you know, when I was reading the articles and looking at what you'd actually done during this period, I thought it was awesome. So first of all, big pat on the back to you for for what you've managed to do and, and the mentality 
things to have. Uh, do you want to maybe give a brief introduction to who you are, what it is that you've been doing, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about the story of how you approach these lockdowns, um, despite I'm sure you were panicked at first, but what you've done in order to get your business so on track and moving in the right direction. I'm going to hand over to you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, sure. As Adam said, I'm CEO and founder of MeetHugo.com. Your description was pretty good. We're a sales intelligence platform. We connect B2B businesses with opportunities, leads, tenders, take the legwork out of directors, owners, and sales teams day, basically, so they can get on to selling better. So we set up in 2018, about September 2018, so pretty new as a business. And yeah, we grew nicely through 2019, got our tech right, got sort of product market fit, got things going well. And then at the start of 2020, we went, right, okay, now's the time to start scaling up, start hiring some people. So we put on a new... Uh, sales manager, new, new sales team, and obviously December 2019 was a slow month. December was a slow month. We had a sales team at that point. Took on a load of new costs. It's been into 2020, and then virus came. So our first thought was, yeah, uh-oh, as you'd expect. We started having chats about, you know, we're going to lose a third of our subscribers. Are we going to um, not sell anything for the next year? What's going to happen? Um, but, yeah, we've been in a really lucky position in one sense that we haven't furthered anyone the whole time. We haven't had any sort of negative impact apart from the fact that it's slightly harder for us to sell sometimes because other businesses are struggling. And like I say, we've grown from about eight people to about 44 people. Um, we've moved offices. We've got the seven-figure mark on a recurring revenue. And I think a lot of it comes from just taking an attitude of, no, we're not going to just like sit down and wait for this to take us over. We're, we're going to fight back and push on. And we've done a bunch of different things basically to try and make sure that's happened. So... Let's look at mindset first of all, Ben. One of the things that I've been running recently and helping business owners with is a mindset webinar. And one of the reasons that we chose to do mindset during this period is because the reality is when it comes to business is if you're going to succeed in business, it's almost a decision, isn't it? It's a decision whether you want to kind of curl up and not go out there and take take the market or whether you want to find a strategy that works. So when you were having these challenges, you've hit 2020, uh, you've gone and you've expanded. And by the way, Ben's just mentioned there he's doing a seven-figure in recurring revenue. Seven figures in recurring revenue, so a million pound in recurring revenue. That means that your business, before you even start, you've got a million pound coming into your business. That's a pretty, you know, it's, it's good work, my man. So well done to you there. That's awesome. You know, and you're saying that at the point you went into lockdown, let's look at it like that. So you go into lockdown or you start to see the effects of lockdown coming in March last year. Where were you at at that point? What kind of revenue figures were you actually at when you were in March last year at that point? So I think we're doing, I think... February, so going February 2020, we probably did, I don't know, we probably turned over something like 35 grand, something like that, I reckon. So we were, you know, a lot smaller than we are now. And we had probably 10, no, eight, eight, nine staff at that point when we started seeing it coming. Um, and we, we, we straight away went into a couple of weeks before the government went lockdown, we shut the office because a few people were worried about it, understandably. Luckily, from, you know, tech point of view and everything, we're completely able to work remotely. So that's totally fine. So that didn't really impact us too much. But yeah, we were kind of, we're pretty small, pretty vulnerable, not much cash in the bank, you know, startup. So it's, it's one of those situations we've not taken any funding. So. Good point there. so you're small, you're vulnerable, you've not got much cash in the bank, you're told you've got a shop, you've got a tiny team, and you're doing, and your business has quadrupled during the worst time in history. So yep. business growth secrets is what we're all about. So we've got to find <laughs> out. We're going to pull them out, my man. So <laughs> what, what, what was it for you that allowed you 
So sort of this go through a process, this goes step by step. So what we, yeah. your first reaction is, so you've got to lead your team. You're the owner of the business, right? So you've got to start leading your team. Some of your team at that point may be being a little bit panicked. And, and Ben, for his background, had another marketing business before and he's sold to a venture capital exit. So he's kind of, it's not his first rodeo. You've been through the ups and uh, not necessarily the downs, but you sold your last business, which is awesome. Um, what did you do in this, um, in, in this situation? And I want to kind of try and share some of the mentality what were the first things you did well okay let's do this differently what were the fears that you had what were your deepest fears at a point when you took it what were you going like oh my god like what yeah. was really on you i think the uh, first fear was we're just taking all these people just taking all this cost got to pay for it and we kind of modeled it me and kind of ops manager and sales manager and went we think we might lose a third of our customers here, worst case, we reckon, just due to they're going to cut costs, they're going to cut things like us, they're going to cut some of them go bankrupt, et cetera. We, we think, you know, there's a third at risk. Plus, we might not sell them, I think, for an unknown amount of time. And we've just taken on some new salespeople. So that, that was the immediate fear, like, are we going to have to shrink back to survive, basically? That's obviously yeah. the worry. Um, so that was kind of our first worry. And then obviously furlough and stuff came out. So we could kind of see, okay, look, we can worst case scenario. If we ever need to use that, we will just about be okay. But it was a case of not wanting to do that really. And kind of realizing that the way our product works and the way we're positioned, that there's enough other businesses out there that still want to grow as well, that wanted those leads and those opportunities that, and they couldn't spend their money on conferences or networking or the other things they might have spent them on. And actually some of them were... no okay so it's just we've looked at it we know that businesses want to grow during this period no matter what okay yeah and you've gone out there and you've you've had the attitude that you know what let's go let's go and start rocking on so they're the fears what are the first moves that you make to go and push the business on okay so you've got to make some moves now what are those yep. moves are you going to make during this period to go and push the business on the part to bring some more clients in? So one thing we did straight away is we, because we, our business is international, we can work, we can work anywhere effectively. And probably about that point, probably about 30% of our clients are in the States. Uh, the rest were here. So what we did straight away is hired an outsource in March, hired an outsource Philippines team to be our US sales force because the US wasn't shutting down, rightly or wrongly. They were just kind of cracking on. Actually, like, kind of still yeah. are now. Yeah, but they um, but that's obviously been a really good market for us. That's not ever slowed for us, which has been really good. So that kind of picked up really well, and that's now probably about sixty percent of our client base realistically. The UK market for us got a bit slow for probably a week or two, um, and then when April hit, which is probably about the time that furlough and everything else got announced and bounce back loans and all that stuff, people started to have a little bit more confidence to start spending again with us. So then we. We kind of realized that, okay, we need to actually, we need to stop thinking about the fears and start thinking about how to capitalize on it as best as possible and grow. Um, so by April, we'd hired a new marketing manager, three or four new sales reps, a couple of new people in the research team. We started talking to our future CTO, starting to get ready to get him on board. Um, and we we're kind of making plans to see how we can take the most of it, basically. Okay, awesome. So we start making the moves. The confidence has come back in a little way. Start making moves to go and get growth. Tell us a little bit more about the business. So Meet Hugo, I mentioned it earlier as we came on. It's a sales intelligence platform where you can actually get leads for businesses. So 
say a business wants a branding or a business wants uh, a website you mentioned was the example you gave or SEO, you're able yeah. to deal with them lead. So you do that in an intelligent way in a slightly different way. And and I believe that people can buy into a subscription of leads from you. Is that correct? Where that's right, yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, right. what did you do to go and what are your methods for going out and building business and getting new business? Let's go with like what are your top three ways for the people listening tonight? For you, for your business, what's the main ways of going out there and getting business for your business? So I'd say the one we've done all the way through that's really big for us is we do a lot of email marketing. So we capture a lot of data. We email those people. We send them we've got projects on our system that we're sending to our clients. We send them details of them, and then obviously that brings people in and they want to sign up. That's been huge for us the whole way through. Secondly, I think getting your sales team, not just the right people, but the right dynamics in that team. So we hired a sales manager pretty early on who kind of completely changed the culture of our sales side internally, which has been really big for us. Um, and having kind of that kind of target-driven approach has like, been really, really big. And thirdly, I think it's to be prepared to just have a go at new things. So same as November lockdown hit, and we thought, okay, what can we do differently? Let's, let's launch into Germany. None of us speak German. We don't know what we're doing. But we're having a good go at it. We've got German speakers in the house now, and we're kind of picking up clients there quite nicely. So it's about just, yeah, those three things are the biggest three things for us, I think. Um, Looking at new markets, and for you, email market. I mean, because you've got a marketing background, you had a market agency, SEO, uh, PPC, but you're still a big fan of email marketing. Yeah, we do the whole, we do the whole work. We do PPC, SEO content, you know, do things like this. We do all sorts of things. But the thing that cuts through the most still for us is email marketing. Yeah, um, we, we're always our CMOs always tasked with how do we spread our other leads that we get more away from email marketing over time. We don't want to rely on it. It does a big chunk of the buy for us still. We don't want it to necessarily, but it does. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So why don't you share some info for the people listening tonight on email marketing and tell them a little bit why, you know, you feel that email marketing is still relevant in today's market. And because a lot of business owners, they're always looking for the shiny new object. And I've, you know, I've said this for years is if you've got a database and you've built a database and you've got people on your database and you're not speaking to them, you're ignoring that low hanging fruit. Right, and uh, you know, essentially, we don't want to ignore that low hanging fruit. People know you, they like you, they trust you already. They're more likely to buy off you. So why wouldn't you keep communicating with them? So you know, what's your opinion on on that, Ben? And why should business owners listening tonight be actually maybe looking to emails a way for them to go and get new business? Yeah, I think as you said there, if people want to hear from you and they're there and they're opting in and they they want your information, then why wouldn't you? I think the key thing that a lot of people do, and I've fallen prey to it in the past, is that you send one email to a list and nothing happens and then you go oh it doesn't work but I think the key is to be consistent with it um, and take them down to the path and send them the right messages at the right time and just get smart with it really so what we'll do generally is we'll send one week we'll send someone a here's a really high value project that fits what you do and we think you'd be great for it do you want to have a look and then we'll follow up a week later with oh that project's still not been won yet or here's a slightly lower value project just kind of test where they're at and kind of get a good interaction with them and eventually someone will find something that they like, they look at them, want to book a demo with one of our team and have a chat, generally, because they're seeing the things that they want. So, yeah, it works. And it's really a highly targeted approach to your email marketing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we segment everyone by what they do, where they are, what kind of budget level they're probably at, a lot of lists, a lot of data that we've collected over time, broken down as, as finely as we can, basically, so that we can get them the right stuff, especially when you're dealing with the States. There's no point sending a web designer in New York, something that's for San Francisco, because it's a million miles away, there's no point. Whereas it's a little bit different in the UK, it's a little bit easier. But 
Yeah, of course, of course. Now, something that a lot of people don't do, they certainly don't segment their databases, especially a small business. You know, we'll talk about that. You've gone from being in the beginning a small business, okay, and now you're running with 44 staff, seven-figure in recurring revenue, so doing some good stuff there, uh, some good work. What would you say would be your three just general tips for a small business? And there'll be a lot of people on tonight that are either starting, growing, or, you know, in the first year or two years. What kind of tips would you give to somebody that's at those early stages of a business? What would you say the three most important things for you are, of either the mindset of running a business or the three most important actions someone should be taking at that stage? I think the biggest thing for me in terms of mindset is it's, it's thinking about your time and delegation, really. So I've got a really strong management team now that we've kind of headhunted and acquired from a few places over time. They've all been promoted up to the C-suite now. So we've got a CMO and a CTO, so Chief Marketing Officer, Chief Technical Officer, Chief Insight Officer, Chief Operating Officer. Um, and the point of kind of investing in having that level of person here is, means that I'm free to think about working on the business rather than working in the business. So, and that's been the case since fairly early on. So when, when it started, I did everything. It was just me for a bit. So I did, did the tech and did the work and won the clients and did the sales and did the customer service and the whole work. Whereas nowadays, you know, it, it's in a, in a place where they're being handled by really good people with really good teams. And that means that I'm free to then think about what's next and what we should be doing and what the strategy is. And it's hard to get to that because it costs money, but kind of working towards getting to that point and not making everything rely on you and then get those people trusting them to go and just do it um, is the main thing I'd say. And it's really hard to do, of course, because people don't always do things how you might want to do them. But you've got to trust that you're hiring people smarter than you, normally, as best you can, and uh, leave them to it. So um, that's, that's a big thing. We always say, you know, there's multiple different stages of a business. And what you were talking about there is is pretty much a stage two where a business owns you rather than you owning the business, i.e. the business is in control of you, you're doing absolutely everything. And there's a ton of business owners out there that where the business controls them rather than them controlling it. And you gave the answer there, you know, as to how you get out of that stage, and that is you invest in the business, you invest in good people. But there's a lot of fear from a lot of business owners about investing in their business. There's a lot of fear about investing in people. There's a lot of fear about investing in marketing. There's a lot of fear generally just about investing generally. Why would you say you've bucked the trend on that? Because clearly you've got a risk appetite, which is that of an entrepreneur, which is awesome, right? Because that's why you're succeeding because you've got the right risk appetite. Uh, but most people don't have that. So what would you say you've done to cultivate that? Because that wouldn't have always been there. So if you look back, how's that been brought on? Um, I don't know. I think I've always had that kind of risk attitude from failure. So, so in my career, I started off in the police. I was an intelligence analyst originally. Completely different to what you expect, um, looking at organized crime groups and stuff. Um, so I was a data guy, boring, working on you know, where the drug dealer's going to strike next or whatever. Um, but later on in my career, I, I worked for a company called Likely, who was start up in London. Um, we worked with we were the social data agency for Coke. Um, massive contract. The guy who ran the company was bit of a mentor, I suppose, and just took wild decisions um, based on his vision and risk-taking. And he sucked code, basically. He was like, I don't want to work with you anymore. I don't want the massive retainer because it's getting in the way of my product plans and just things like that. And I kind of, I guess he rubbed off on me a little bit. Um, and I've always kind of had that kind of vibe, you know, like what we say here is like, we'll just go mad. Just go mad, see what happens. And we just <laughs> we just try things and um, see what happens. That's our culture. So just go mad. It'll be fine. We'll just, we'll just figure it out. I think because we know what we're doing, for the most part, and we can see we're in a lucky position in the way our business works. It's a subscription model, everything's really transparent. Everyone in the business can see the revenue, the turnover, 
where we are to target, etc., we can see really fast if something's working or not. And I think that makes us able to take those risks because we can tell really quickly if it's not working and know what we need to change generally. So having that kind of level of insight into the business is really useful. Um, so our revenue goes through Stripe. We use a tool called Bear Metrics, which kind of reports on all of that, for example. Um, yeah. you, can see, you can see everything instantly, and it's just, yeah, really useful. Hi everybody, Adam here, and I hope you loved today's episode. hope you thought it was fabulous, and if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favour. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets, and if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favourite episode is, perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive Academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.